We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, we finish off our divisional preview series covering the NFC North and the NFC West. Picks, pans, injuries, over-unders, you name it, we're covering it here. We'll be right there. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jeff, he's Nick. We are continuing our preview series of divisional preview series covering the NFC North and the NFC West. Nick, uh, let's start right on with the Packers. A lot of news about them in the offseason. You know, no, the Devontae Adams trade, the Aaron Rodgers drama, uh, the lack of brand name wide receivers coming in instead of uh, one of their first two round, first, first round pick, the two first round picks. They waited to the second to get Christian Watson. Instead of signing a big name free agent, they signed Sammy Watkins. They sure did. They sure did. And there was a time uh, in our lives when Sammy Watkins would have been a big name. Uh, but unfortunately, at this point in his career, uh, it really felt like they were taking a flyer on a guy who was a first round pick, uh, you know, what, eight years ago at this point, And then who's bounced around, spent last season with Baltimore. Um, you know, it, it's hard to be super encouraged by the group of pass catchers that Green Bay's put together, especially with guys like Watkins and Christian Watson, uh, the second round pick out at NDSU. Uh, with both of those guys missing time so far, we, we really haven't had a, a true evaluation. And I think that's especially right. difficult for Watson, who on the XM show this morning, you know, we discussed the, it, I wouldn't even, I would hesitate to even call it a competition between Watson and Dubs because Watson has not been able to offer anything due to that injury. Although we do hope to get him on the practice field this week. Uh, but it, we now have a situation where it feels like as we get closer and closer to the regular season, we're going to go in with close to a, a blind evaluation, I think, of Christian Watson, who after the draft, I, I think just by virtue of slotting into a really good offense with a Hall of Fame quarterback, I think a lot of people were excited about those possibilities. And, um, you know, I feel no better about this receiving core now uh, than I did, you know, the day after the draft. I, I think the emergence of someone like Romeo Dubs, that's nice, but I think it's offset by Sammy Watkins and, and Christian Watson really not making any progress so far. Yeah, and uh, it's you know interesting because despite all that, all the possible negative ramifications of that, the Packers are the third highest favorite in total win totals on most sports books at eleven wins. Uh, they have a studly defense. I mean, you know, the adding those those two first round picks did go to bolstering an already good defense. 
So you look at them from that standpoint, they're expected to, to do well. They're in a division where you've got the Bears and the Lions that presumably they're going to be better than. And you got a Vikings team that has got a new head, new first head coach, and usually it takes a little bit of growing pains, no matter how excited we are about that said head coach. Yeah, I think it's it's the same story that it's been for most of the last decade in the NFC North, where it's, yeah. it's the Packers on one tier, it's the Vikings on a slightly lower tier. It feels like they always find a way to split with Minnesota. And then it's Detroit and Chicago where – you know, if you're Green Bay, you don't want to get out of yourself, but I think you you feel pretty good about those being four free wins, especially those two games against the Chicago Bears. I mean, the, the Bears have put out some rough products over the years, uh, but this this might be a new level uh, of incompetence from the Chicago Bears. So that's that's the Packers' gain for sure. Uh, they had a really tough schedule last year. They had a tough schedule in 2020. That changes a little bit this season, uh, according to Sharp Football. You know, which which does strength the schedule based on projected win totals as opposed to where you finished last year. Um, you know, in my opinion, an objectively better way to do that. The Packers are right in the middle of the league. They have the 15th most difficult schedule. So, you know, in years past, they've won 13 straight games in three straight years coming into this season. So that the schedule hasn't really been the issue, um, you know, with the Packers, when it comes to, you know, you mentioned they have the third highest win total. Uh, kind of been one of those teams that is a regular season juggernaut, but We've gotten to the point now where it's been over a decade since they've even made it to a Super Bowl. They've always come up short, whether it's in the divisional round or the NFC title game. So, you know, if you're looking at betting that win total versus betting the Packers at, say, 10 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, you know, it's gotten to the point now where it's more than just flukes, right? There, there's something preventing this team from being, you know, looking like the best team during the regular season and then coming up short to teams that on paper are inferior to them. Right. And you don't see them going all in. I mean, you no. you don't see the the hell with the salary cap approach that the Rams and the Bucks, among others, have taken. And the Bucks, you know, they knocked out the Packers a couple of years ago in Lambeau uh, last year. It didn't even get that far. Uh, they they lost another game in Lambeau to a wild card team in the Niners. Sorry, a little soon, too soon. Don't need to remind you of that. Enough. But they're not. But you, I, I feel like like. They are the, oh, we're going to have long-term sustainability with our decisions. We're the adults in the room. This is a very sober approach. No one wants that. If you're a fan, you want to win, period. I, I agree. And I, I think the the microcosm of that was Odell Beckham, you know, choosing between the Rams and the Packers, choosing the Rams, and then being the team that puts the Rams over the top to win the Super Bowl. You know, and, and that was, you know, somewhat of an isolated situation. I, I think he probably preferred to live in L.A. versus Green Bay, Wisconsin. So I, I understand that. But – in December, uh, it's who knew? Kind of a, yeah, exactly. It, it's 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 just a, a representation, I think, of of kind of how fans, especially, feel about this Packers front office. You know, never quite pushing the chips in enough to to get a difference making piece like that. With that said, I, I do think that that line of thinking has gone a little too far because I, I don't know. I, I talked to a lot of Packers fans here in Wisconsin during the year, and everybody midway through the year, you know, when the Packers are sitting at like twelve and two uh, toward the end of the regular season, everybody feels good about them you know, making the Super Bowl. And I, I don't think last year it was like, well, they didn't have enough talent to beat the 49ers. It was, no, Aaron Rodgers couldn't move the ball when it mattered at all during the second half and in the fourth quarter of that yep. game against Tampa Bay, opportunity after opportunity. Uh, it's, it's Green Bay coming up short in these isolated games rather than them not having enough talent. That I think that was the narrative for a while. Like you remember that one year when Rodgers like willed them to the NFC title game to, to play Atlanta. I think that game was over within like three minutes. Like you could just see the, the gap in talent there. That's not the case anymore. There's, there's some, yeah. I don't know if it's a mental block for this team. I don't know if it's a scheme uh, issue when they, they run into these other really good defenses in the playoffs. But I don't think talent has been the issue 
the last few years. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, they have some more questions this season than they have in years past. But like you said, this is the best defense I think that Rodgers will have played with probably since that Super Bowl team, uh, just in terms of the amount of investment, the amount of talent, and the amount of guys who are right at their peak. You know, I, I think, for example, like Jair Alexander missing a ton of time last year, he's back. But not only is he back, it also enabled Eric Stokes, you know, to essentially develop into this kind of 1A quarterback for them. Like, I, if, if yeah. Jair Alexander was healthy last season, Eric Stokes doesn't get those reps. That's a that's a fantastic point. I think the only sore point then has to be a wide receiver spot. Um, and the fact and the we spent some time on it today on the Sirius XM show, the infamous first round pick of Jordan Love. Because uh, it's not only that they didn't take a receiver there, it's also that you're tying up, you know, a pretty good rookie contract. You're tying up that spot. That's an opportunity cost that you can't get. You know, I know Tom Kessenick, our friend from uh, the NFFC, keeps on lamenting that T. Higgins wasn't taken with that pick instead. He would look pretty darn good uh, in that spot right now. Uh, and they just they don't have that brand name guy, and they traded away their brand name guy in part because you don't want to yep. play under the franchise tag. Honestly. Would you are I, I kind of think he just didn't want to play in Green Bay, period, though, too. I think he wanted to go to Vegas. I think so, too. I think so, too. And I, I do think that, uh, you know, Packers Nation at large, will say, has come to accept that. Uh, I don't think there are really any hard feelings. And I think the team, you know, did a really good job of towing the line between, you know, not wanting to to kind of trash a franchise icon on the way out in Devontae Adams, but also making it clear, like, hey, we offered the money. You know, that wasn't the issue here. I, I really think you're right. I think Devontae Adams – Felt like he had taken this thing as far as he could in Green Bay. Uh, he's, he's a West Coast guy. He wanted to go play with his college quarterback for a really fun, up and coming, exciting team. I mean, it's. I think it really is as simple as that. I, I, I don't think. I don't think this narrative that Green Bay, you know, wasn't willing to pay. Um, you know, maybe there was some initial hesitancy here, and, and and I think maybe if they could do it over, they would have offered that deal earlier on, and, and maybe just avoided this entire situation. But no, I think you're right. I, I think the the biggest deciding factor by far was that Devontae Adams just go, wanted to play for the Raiders, and there was really nothing the Packers could do about that. Yeah. Uh, Larry asked, why not trade Love for a wide receiver? Uh, and then suggests DK Metcalf. Seattle's not doing that. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, there was there was a lot of rumors this offseason, you know, that they were going to be in play for, for one of those receivers. Um, you know, guys like right. Metcalf or like Debo Samuel, who we thought were going to shake free. Um, you know, it was it's certainly frustrating to see someone like A.J. Brown traded, and you're like, that is exactly the guy that the Packers should be going after. Um, and it's just, to me, it's so hard to value Jordan Love around the league. You know, it's like, I, I right. don't, if you're Seattle, it's like you'd love to have Jordan Love in the mix as a, as a potential option to develop as your quarterback of the future, but you're not, you're not giving up DK Metcalf for that, right? That's I, true. I, if Love were to be traded, you know, at any, whether it's, whether it's like right now, whether it's before this latest preseason game, whether it was on draft night, this is a, a just perfect situation where I would have no idea what the value is. I, maybe some team would be willing to give up a, a late second round pick. Maybe another team would value him as a fifth or a sixth round pick. It's, it's really hard to say. Yeah. Let's talk about who is there. Um, and we, we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking to Alan Lazard, even though he's nominally the green Bay number one. Uh, if you look at the uh, future odds on him, DraftKings has him at 750 and a half yards, bet MGN uh, 749 and a half points, bet 724 and a half. What say you on those? Well, for, for one, I think those numbers are, are pretty much spot on. And I, I think they have him at five and a half touchdowns as well. And I, I like the touchdown prop better. He, he got to eight touchdowns last year in 15 games, you know, working very much in the shadow of Devontae Adams. So I, I think that's one to me that stands out. The yardage, 
I, I, I think I would lean over, you know, just by virtue of being the number one guy in an Aaron Rodgers offense. But, um, you know, Alan Lazard was, was more of a touchdown guy versus a yardage guy last year. He only got to 500 yards. So you're asking for a fairly significant jump there. But um, I, I think he could do that. I, I think if the number was like 900 yards, I would, I would really think twice about that and, and maybe lean under. I, I do think by the end of the year, we're going to look at this offense and it's going to be a much more egalitarian uh, spread, uh, both in terms of rushing and receiving, you know, compared to what we've right. seen in years past. So I wouldn't be surprised if they finished the year without a, a thousand yard receiver, but I think Lazard can get to around 800 yards. Yeah. And Lazard's the highest of these and the highest drafted one too. Yeah. Uh, ADP at the NFFC is 80 overall. Uh, which, you know, and that's over just like the last three days. So, uh, you know, it, it, your mileage may vary, but point being is how often do you see Aaron Rodgers' top wide receiving option at pick 80? Uh, you know, that the, 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 the late, the undercurrent there is he's th- probably going to throw the backs more, but nonetheless, I, I find that to be uh, pretty late wide receiver 39 after Drake London, Brandon, Ayuk, and Hunter Renfro ahead of Devonte Smith, Christian Kirk, Kadarius Tony, do you think that's a bargain or do you think that's the right place? Well, I mean, Lazard hasn't really been able to do much to help himself the last couple of years. So that, or last couple of weeks, I should say. So that's part of this, right. but yeah, I mean, those names that you, that you listed off that are going just ahead of, I mean, that says a lot, right? I mean, there are two, and if you count Darren Waller, there are three pass catchers for the Raiders who are going ahead of any pass catcher for the Green Bay Packers. You know, DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for six games and he's still going ahead of the number one option <laughs> For Aaron Rodgers like that that says a lot I, I think about how skeptical people are about Alan Lazard and I, I think there's still this belief and yeah I, I think it's fairly true that there's not really that big of a gap in terms of talent and in terms of what these guys have proven between Lazard and Sammy Watkins or, or even Randall Cobb when you factor in the comfortability that Aaron Rodgers has with Randall Cobb obviously Alan Lazard has the potential to be a much better player at this point than Randall Cobb but he doesn't have that same level of trust with Rodgers you know he's always was always playing in this kind of weird reserve role where it felt like it was Devontae Adams on one level and everybody else so much further down. Uh, I I think it's fair to question, you know, where Lazard comes in. I I don't, I don't think we can just automatically say, uh, put him at wide receiver 20 because he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Like Rodgers is a unique type of quarterback where it just doesn't, it doesn't really work like that. He's not necessarily going to favor the most talented guy. He's going to favor the guy he trusts the most. Yeah, that's right. Um, We haven't spent any time talking about the rookies yet uh, in in at least, two hours it's been since we've done that. So let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, Romeo Dobbs is the guy now that everybody is in love with. Uh, he, he's the guy that is getting raves from Aaron Rodgers, is getting some, you know, caught a touchdown you know, from Jordan Love uh, against the Niners over the weekend. Uh, Christian Watson ha- hasn't done anything yet. How, how likely is it that you're going to draft one of those two guys? Dobbs, I, I already have it a couple best balls. And you know, even in NFC, he's climbing up. He's going just outside the top 150 in the last week. He's sitting at 151.8. I think by the end of the week, he'll probably be inside that top 150. I mean, he's, we talked a ton about George Pickens on the XM show this morning. I mean, Dobbs is right behind Pickens uh, in terms yeah. of ADP. They're only separated by about five spots. So that's, that's the kind of hype that he's generating. And I think he may have a clearer path uh, to more targets uh, in that Packers receiving core that doesn't have names like Deontay Johnson and, and Chase Claypool. Watson, it's just, it's wait and see for me. I'm not drafting him right now. I think if we get him on the field in the preseason and, and he shows some flashes, um, you know, then maybe I'll consider it. But to me right now, I, I think I wouldn't go as far as to say this could be like a redshirt type of year for him, but 
if he misses another week of practice, I mean, we're getting to the point where he would really only have like a couple weeks uh, to work with Aaron Rodgers before the start of the season. And, you know, we know in season, it's really, really hard for these teams, especially, you know, veteran teams like the Packers, you know, to build that continuity as the year goes along and your practices get abbreviated. You're trying to preserve bodies. Um, you know, I, I think he's already missed some really, really valuable developmental time with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to invoke John Ross, but I'm going to anyhow. I'm, I'm forced to do it. Uh, but uh, you have to worry that he comes into that uh, that position here. Uh, there's some speculation in the chat room about both OBJ again or Will Fuller. You know, that one's been going around for about six months now. He's he's just about to sign Will Fuller. I mean, if they were going to sign him, they would have done it by now. You would think. Yeah, you would think, especially with, uh, you know, Watson and, and Watkins and those guys banged up in camp. You'd think you'd want to get him in there. So, yeah, I, I, I think Green Bay is, is one of those teams that maybe to its own detriment, is re- like really, really trust its scouting and its development. And look, for the most part, it's worked out. You, you got to hand it to them. I mean, other than like the, the glaring elephant in the room in, in Jordan Love, they've, they've really hit on a lot of picks. So, you yeah. know, I, I think they actually, they kind of want to see what they have here, but, you know, before reaching out to, to an Odell Beckham or, or someone like Will Fuller, um, you know, I think as long as those guys are out there, they'll, they'll be in consideration. But, um, you know, like Odell, for example, if, on the DraftKings Sportsbook, the Packers have fallen – uh, to the third most likely team to sign Odell Beckham. At one point this summer, they were the most likely landing spot. And now the Rams and the Buffalo Bills, surprisingly, uh, have leapfrogged the Green Bay Packers. But, I mean, with Odell, we're talking, what, November? As, as, as a time when he'll be able to get back on the field. Yeah. So, you and know, then you got to wonder if the ramp-up time happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I would have liked that move a lot more last year. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. And he was so good, by the way, in the Super Bowl when he got hurt. I know, it, you know, I've made this point 7000 times before, but it changed the entire game. Uh, let's let's move on from the Packers. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot to say. I know Nick likes A.J. Dillon target. I like him, too. I like Aaron Jones, too. I think you can like both. I think that's it. Um, I know we have to keep rolling that we have other teams in the division. So let's keep going. Let's hit up the Chicago, uh, not the Chicago Bears, the Minnesota Vikings. We have a regime change in Minnesota, new head coach, new offense. Passing is no longer evil. Uh, so that changes things, uh, outlooks there quite a bit. Who's your number two? You've drafted Dalvin Cook, number two. I've drafted Justin Jefferson, number two. I think you make a pretty good case for both of them at the number two overall spot. Not just two in Minnesota, but no, two overall. I think and it's rare to have teammates that could be to make that argument. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I actually have, have best balls where I've taken both of those guys at number two. Um, I, I said to you on, on next M, I, I think number two is my least favorite spot to draft. And yeah, that, that's too. nothing, that's nothing against Jefferson and nothing against cook. I, you just feel like you're not, you're not getting a ton of value there. And it's the first round, you know, you're, you're, you're pretty much going to go, uh, you know, fairly chalky there. It's not like you're going to get like, you're not going to feel like you ever get a steal uh, at number two overall, but uh, it, it just feels like Jonathan Taylor's on his own tier. And then that next group of, three or four running backs and the three wide receivers are all kind of on their own tier. And I, you know, just value wise. And, and when you start looking ahead to when your next pick comes up, you can get Dalvin cook at seven or eight in a lot of drafts. And so I, I don't have a problem taking him at two, but obviously I'd rather take him a little bit later and, and get that second pick on the board uh, a little bit faster and have the same roster. But you're right. It, it is rare that you have a, a running back who's a top three or four guy at his position. And then a receiver uh, who's a top two or three guy at his position, but, but such is life uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. And, I'm pretty high on this team. I, I do think, you know, I, I think it felt like they kind of wore out their welcome by the end of the Mike Zimmer era. It, it reminded me a lot of the end of the Mike McCarthy era 
in Green Bay where the writing was on the wall heading into that final season. And, you know, you're kind of just hoping and praying for a miracle to save the job and mm -hmm. it doesn't end up happening. Uh, so I, I do think they can really go, they, they have another level to go up, you know, if Kevin O'Connell works out. I think they had hit their ceiling certainly with Mike Zimmer. So as someone who finds myself rooting for the Packers, that that's a little bit of a, a concerning trend because I, I, I kind of like playing against Mike Zimmer because you knew what you were going to get. Right. Structurally. Um, what do you think about the idea that some people are don't like having to take one of the big three receivers? Cause that means they're waiting on a running back and there's the running back, the dreaded running back dre dead zone. Uh, they want to get their backs early. Where do you fall in that court, sort of the discussion? More often than not. And I've, I've had a ton of drafts where I feel like I'm picking second or third, especially in, in best balls. More often than not, I have leaned running back at that pick. And it's mostly for that reason, you know, and, and the other, the other hand of that is there are so many good receivers that I also feel like if you go receiver in the third round, you're still getting someone that you'd feel better about uh, with, rather than taking a running back at that point. You know, I, I think you start getting into some, some pretty iffy running backs uh, around like, you know, picks 30 to 35. Versus right. the receivers that you're getting there are like Allen Robinson, Terry McLaurin, Cortland Sutton, Jalen Waddle. You know, you're still getting, uh, I think, bigger name, uh, higher floor type of options uh, a little bit later in the draft. And yeah, I mean, as, as draft season goes on, you're right. We, we continue to kind of see um, those running backs who are initially maybe end of the first round guys, guys like Aaron Jones, guys like Joe Mixon, uh, Alvin Kamara, who we talked about at length this morning. You know, those guys are, are starting to find their way up, I think, as more and more people want to get their hands on a reliable running back. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think that's one of those that, uh, you know, it, it's pretty tricky to kind of make that judgment. I find myself pretty comfortable getting one of the big three receivers over McCaffrey, Cook, uh, Harris at all. Um, definitely over McCaffrey for me. Um, that, that That's just how I like to draft. I, But I think I kind of draw the line at the top three. I mean, I'll go Diggs. Diggs versus McCaffrey for me is a difficult dis uh, discussion. Just because I think he's the start of the next tier in terms of wide receivers for me. McCaffrey, I mean, there's the, the, the ceiling's so darn high, but the floor is just so darn low, too. Yeah, I, I, I'm out on McCaffrey. It's just just too big of a risk for me. I, I understand the argument. You know, we, I, I think Mario Puig has talked about this. John McKechnie's talked about it. Um, you know, I, I think he took McCaffrey number two in, in one of his recent drafts. And it's, you know, if, if, if he plays all 17 games, um, you know, he might – win you your league and he's probably the number one overall player. So I, I, I do get that, but you know, I've drawn the, the Anthony Davis parallel a number of times. And that's, that's kind of that zone that Anthony Davis has entered in fantasy basketball where, I mean, at this point now, he's like not even a first rounder in a lot of leagues. I mean, once you go through three or four straight seasons of missing 20 plus games, even though there's always that thought that like, man, if he plays 82 games, he could, you know, he could lead the league in blocks. He could, you know, be 25 and 12. Um, I, I just feel like that's where we're at with McCaffrey. And it's, it's just so many different injuries. It's contact. It's non-contact. Um, I mean, the team is not going to be great around him no matter what. So, you know, there's kind of this, this thought that everything's going to be on his shoulders. Uh, it's just, it, to me, it's just become too risky. Adam Thielen, decline continues or bounce back season? Oof, I, I have found myself picking up Thielen a, a decent amount. I think he's got one more decent year in him. I, I want to at least see him in what should be a new look offense. I, I think the arrival and like the takeover by Justin Jefferson kind of helps him fly under the radar a little bit. Um, you know, his ADP really hasn't dropped all that much relative to last year. I, I think early on you were getting a, a pretty significant bargain on him just, be, you know, coming off of the injury. He's, I think he's turning what 32 this season. Um, so he's starting to get up there a little bit, but he's going wide receiver 34 right now. 
um, you know, kind of right in that Godwin, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Hopkins range. But he's always someone who, you know, racks up touchdowns. Kirk Cousins trusts him in the red zone. Uh, even last year, well missing time, he still had a bunch of touchdowns. So um, if it's a simple for or against, I am definitely for Adam Thielen. Yeah, I, I am too. Uh, we did the Rotowire, uh, uh, you know, for – for uh, ranker rankings, composite rankings, and I was on the high end of that. I wasn't the highest on him, but I was slightly above ADP at 62. So I, I'm happy to draft him in if I need a running back. I mean, if I need a wide receiver in that stretch. Um, often, though, I might be turning my eye towards running backs if I'm going receiver heavy early. So it's a, it's an interesting uh, discussion. And I'm not going to go Thielen and Jefferson also. So that's the other thing. 62 actually puts you at 5.2, which – I've already got Jefferson if I'm at 5.2. So I already know that. So yeah. that's, that's one thing that's, I, didn't, uh, I haven't added in. That's, yeah, that, that's an overexposure, I think, to, to the Minnesota Vikings offense. But, I mean, even while missing, what, four games last year, Thielen still finished as the wide receiver 28 in PPR leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I mean, he's going wide receiver 34 right now. So if you, if you at least think he can stay healthy, I think he has a fantastic chance to match last year's finish, you know, which would be, as Agreed. of right now, six spots ahead of where he's going. Any interest in KJ KJ Osborne as a the third receiver in this offense, especially with Irv Smith hurt right now? Yes, yes, definitely. And I I, I find myself grabbing Osborne not necessarily like if, I mean if I have Jefferson or if I have Thielen, then for sure. Um, but it's not it's not like a if one of them gets hurt then situation. Uh, but I, I think that's where he's really going to have value, right? I, I think one of those guys probably has to miss a few games at some point, um, and, and then you know the big payoff could come, but. I think KJ Osborne showed enough even last season. He played in all 17 games, had 50 catches, certainly did benefit from Adam Thielen missing four of those games, but um, still had seven touchdowns. I mean, even even when Thielen was healthy early in the year, he had that big game uh, against Arizona where he had 90-plus yards. Uh, Osborne, for me, is, is on, on my pass at the eye test list for sure. And um, yeah, I remember you know, watching him especially last year uh, as a Packers fan thinking like, where did they come up with this guy? Like here's yet another receiver on the Vikings that we have to worry about. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of his and I, I'll be, I'll be interested to see what his long-term ceiling is. You know, once, the, once Adam Thielen, once Adam Thielen inevitably moves on, I, I think he's kind of earmarked as that number two guy. Yep. Uh, Vikings over under is at nine on DraftKings, nine and a half elsewhere. I have a feeling that hook's going to matter. What do you think? <sighs> I think so too. I think so too. And on DraftKings, it's it's at nine, like you said, and it's shaded toward the over. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this is a division that plays the NFC East and the AFC East. So, uh, you know, a, a couple tough games in each of those divisions, but a couple fairly cupcake games as well. Uh, and, and Minnesota you know, is, is clearly on another level to me than Detroit and Chicago. So, of course, you feel good about probably taking three out of four in those games. They always split with Green Bay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I would, I think they're probably a 10 win team to me with, with the potential to maybe get to 11. Yeah, uh, I, I could see it. I, I feel like I should be bullish on them, but they always like do the opposite of what I expect them to do. They're, they're a weird team that way. Uh, big, big game to start the year um, home game against the Packers. I mean, it, there, there's a league, uh, the Roto online championship where I have both cousins and Rogers and I have Jefferson in that one. So I'm probably going to start cousins over Rogers in week one, which is feels a little awkward, but I think it's the right call. There's, there's just so many competing thoughts going through my head where it's like, I, yeah. I like Rogers more, uh, but, or I like Cousins more, I think, because of the weapons. You're obviously concerned about who Aaron Rodgers is throwing to, but now for the first time in a while, you have to think like, wait, do I want to, do I want to start a quarterback against that Green Bay Packers secondary? Right, right. 
the same time, do you want to start Rodgers in week one when he hasn't had time to practice with uh, Watson yeah. and Watkins and you know, all that? Yeah. Uh, Julia yeah. asks, uh, Thielen or Lazard? Why? Oh, boy. Uh, I, uh, I, I, think I, would, I think I would lean toward Thielen at this Me point. Too. I mean, if you want upside, uh, Lazard is, is obviously the choice. But I, as I've said a number of times, I, I'm more of a high floor safety, just put me in position to, to make moves later in the year type of guy. Um, so, so best ball, maybe Lazard, but in, in most leagues, I think I would lean Thielen. I'm leaning Thielen here too. And well, judging by my rankings, I am, I'm going Thielen. Uh, I'm stuck on a Thielen. So there you go. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Uh, at the Eagles week two home against the lions week three at the saints. So mixed bag of games, you know, it, it's kind of tough actually. When you think about it. they could be one in three after, after four weeks, you know, with, you know, yeah. the home game against the Packers, certainly they might be dogs or it will be, Pick them, you know. You know, going to be they're going to be underdogs against the Eagles and Saints on the road. The only game where they're clearly favored is Week Three against the Lions, and then then it eases up a little bit after that, but not not e- especially show. So this is this is not an er- easy early schedule, and I always think there's like that early, you know, new coach growing pains. Usually, you, teams get off to slower starts under a new coach. Very true, very true, and they they are two point dogs at home right now for that Week One game. Uh, against the Green right. Bay Packers. So, yeah, some belief there that that despite the receiver issues, uh, Green Bay will end up being fine on the road. But, yeah, you lose that one, uh, all of a sudden that week two game at Philly, you know, becomes really important. And you know, I guess you feel good about beating the Lions at home in week three. But, um, you know, starting 0-2 as, as a rookie head coach is a daunting proposition, that's for sure. And we'll talk about the Lions. The Lions aren't going to lie down either. We know that. And they didn't last year. Uh, they Minnesota ended up ultimately won that game, but – Boy, it was really close. Uh, Before we move on to the Bears, a quick note from our friends at the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we're back on the Road to Our Fantasy Football Podcast. We are previewing the NFC North and then the NFC West. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Let us jump into those Chicago Bears who had a pretty rough offseason, I'd have to say, uh, a- again. And they got a new head coach. They've got Justin Fields, who they traded up for. They let Allen Robinson walk, and they didn't really bring in a whole lot to, to support him going in. Uh, win total, projected win total for them, I believe, is at six and a half still. Uh, same as the Lions, who were considered a, lot of, a doormat a lot of years last year. To be honest, and it, it, it's heavily sh- and it's six and a five, six and a half on DraftKings, five and a half other places, heavily favored on the under on DraftKings, minus one ninety on the under there. Yeah, they got to drop that down, I think, and and I, I wouldn't be shocked if it moves to to you know six, five and a half, even five at some point. Um, I mean, this this team is eleven to one to have the worst record in the NFL next season. I I like that bet more than the Bears over. Six and a half wins, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have the fourth easiest projected schedule. So that is baked into this number for sure. But man, I mean, I, I actually made a list of their their games that I would say are potentially winnable. Um, so those are the Texans, the Giants, the Commanders, the Falcons, the Lions, the Lions again, and the Jets. So those those are That's seven how you get to games. seven. Yeah. Right. But like, are you really going to go seven and no in those? Probably not. I mean, I, I think that if you go four and three in those, you're, you're thrilled. And then, you know, you get the Eagles, the Vikings, the Dolphins, and the Pats. Those were potential upsets uh, that you could pull if you're the Bears. But, yeah, the, the path to seven wins is pretty tough to chart um, yeah. for a team that, like, there, there's not a lot of teams right now that aren't really trying their hardest to win. And it feels like the Bears are, are almost alone in that category, right? I mean, yeah. you have you have the quarterback in place. But other than that, almost nothing. You know, even teams like Carolina and Atlanta did a lot more this offseason to at least try to bolster – their young core, even if they're not trying to make a Super Bowl run this year, like it feels like Chicago is, is in like Oklahoma City Thunder mode right now. It, yeah, and they're, they're digging themselves out of a horrific cap situation uh, of their own making when they tried to win. But oh, yeah. then again, you know, as we've discussed before with the, the Saints and with the Bucks and the Rams, that does the cap really exist? Can you just buy your way out of it with bonus money? It seems like they can. Bears haven't tried to do that. Uh, they've done the other. They, they've cut good players. Uh, and, and done that and haven't brought in other, you know, replacements of other players. So it, it's, it's kind of really frustrating to watch and see what they're going to do, but uh, let's, let's tackle this. Uh, anyhow, um, first bear that gets drafted. This is, we're not talk about a team. Like if you want to invest in a good offense, probably not looking at the bears. Um, you're, you know, I know you're not looking at the bears as a matter of fact, um, you know, first, first offensive player is they're back to back Darnell Mooney and David Montgomery. And they're in the fifties, uh, according to the NFFC. 
Mooney at 53 and Montgomery at 54 over the weekend. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Mooney. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's a world in which Chicago is absolutely terrible, but we come out of the season feeling pretty good about where Justin Fields is at. And I think if that's the case, that means that he's developed some really good chemistry with Darnell Mooney. But man, yeah, beyond that, it's like we, I think you and I, we, we like Cole Komet as like a late round tight end target. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Velas Jones had a, a good start to camp. He's been a little banged up lately. Um, and, and, you know, I just... I don't love targeting running backs on what I think are going to be really bad teams. You know, I mean, the, the, yeah. the Bears let Justin Fields play three series in their preseason game over the weekend, and they pumped it on all three. I mean, yes, that's, they did. It's, it's just it's just one game. It's part of one game. I get all that, but I think that's going to be the theme of the season. I, if we can wager on the Bears to lead the league in punts, uh, I would love to find what I'll find out what that number is. Like, it's just not an offense. Like, you can just totally envision the game plan of like, all right, let's get David Montgomery going. First quarter, he has like seven carries for twelve yards. And he carries the ball like twice more the rest of the way because they're down by three touchdowns. Like, I, I feel like that narrative is going to be playing out over and over and over this season. Yeah. You know, we when we talked about big gaps in the receiving core, and according to ADP, we I don't think we mentioned the Bears. I don't think we did. Mooney is at 27 and wide receiver 27. Velas Jones is the next one at 92. Oof. Byron Pringle, who's hurt right now, is at 99. I mean, this is what you're looking at here. Yeah, I mean, they're dealing with somewhat of a similar situation, although I, I think a little bit bleaker and a little bit sadder than than the Packers, where, you know, Darnell Mooney is, is kind of, I guess, their version of Alan Lazard, who has shown some flashes. You're hoping he really becomes the guy. And then beyond that, not only do you have a bunch of unproven options, but you have a bunch of guys who've been banged up throughout camp, and you're still just like, I have no idea how this depth chart uh, is going to shake out. So uh, the big difference, of course, being one team has Aaron Rodgers and the other team has a, a second-year quarterback in Justin Fields who's, who's still very much developing but um, yeah. I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna keep pumping that that Bears 11 to 1 to finish with the word because I I don't know I they, they just seem especially in in their own division I mean the, the Lions are moving in a completely different direction uh, even even though they were very similar teams last year the Lions were the worst team between those two last season and, and think about how we feel about Detroit versus yeah. how we feel about Chicago right now they have the same win total but it just feels like the directions of the team it's completely opposite yeah you know, if you feel strongly about the, that, the, the Bears, I mean, instead of paying that mega juice on the six and a half, maybe get plus odds on the under five and a half at Bet, Bet MGM or FanDuel. I mean, if you feel that strongly, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that that's not a bad way to go. And I, I tend to like and I also like your 11 to one worst record in football bet. Um, she, Julia also asked Mooney versus Thielen. I would go Mooney over Thielen. I think it, it's close, but I go that way. It's that that is really close for me. I, I I just really worry about exposing myself to this Bears offense that I think is going to be really 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 bad uh, this year. But that, that's a fair question. It's a fair question. I and mean, you're talking about the the for sure number one for one team versus a guy who has maybe the best receiver in football ahead of him. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, let's go on to the Lions. Uh, and once again, I'll expose myself as the guy that doesn't watch Hard Knocks and has never watched an episode of Hard Knocks because. It's been a while since I've had HBO. I'm just an inveterate cheap ass, I guess. But uh, I, I just have enough subscription packages and streaming services that I should ca- uh, go on a, a pony up for uh, HBO Max at some point. But I didn't even do it when they, they did it for the Bengals. But the Lions, they've drawn some uh, buzz, some positive buzz uh, through uh, you know both HBO Max uh, and, and Hard Knocks and also through how they finished the season last year. This is a team that, they may not have been good, but they were entertaining. They were fun. Uh, and it's been a while since we've heard that from a Lions team. You know, and they bolstered their offense in the offseason, too. Went out, got DJ Chark. 
They drafted Jamison Williams, who we won't see right away. Uh, but this is a team that's got some talent. Absolutely. And I mean, they were one of the most fun to watch and most memorable three win teams in NFL history last season. And yeah. they capped that off by, you know, they beat the Packers the final week of the season. Uh, Green Bay didn't really have anything on the line, but it still felt, I mean, Aaron Rodgers played till half in that game. Uh, the, the, the Packers were ostensibly trying for most of it. Um, and it, it was kind of a, a nice way to cap off uh, what felt like a year that, you know, if you, if you just watched the, the Lions play and you'd never looked at the scoreboard, and you watched every minute of every game, you would be like, I think this team finished like seven and nine or seven to 10. Um, but they just had so many weird things happen at the end of games, you know, mistimed fumbles, uh, terrible interceptions, you know, <laughs> 65 yard field goals as, as time expires. Two um, of them. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they legitimately could have every, every fan base always says this like, Oh man, we, we should have won 15 games. Like they have a case that they, they really could have won five or six games uh, for a team that finished with three wins. And yeah, you know, I don't, I, I still don't know that I'm ready to, I don't, I don't think I'm ready to place the Lions as like a 500 team, uh, even though I know that's not possible anymore, um, or a team that's going to push for a playoff spot. I, I still think they they have a little bit more development to go um, than, than some people are willing to admit. But uh, right. I, I think to me, they're clearly they, – they've at least separated themselves from that real bottom tier of teams. You know, when, when you're talking about, uh, you know, potential worst record in the league, like, you know, I, I know they have the same win total as the Bears. I, I like them way more than the Bears. I like them more than the Jets, more than the Falcons, more than the Texans. Like, I don't think they're they're like far and away better than those teams, but they're they're definitely not in that bottom five, bottom six tier anymore. I'd agree, hundred percent with that. And defense is the problem for this team. I think offensively they're going to be fun. I mean, you start with DeAndre Swift, who's a for, end of the first round player in many drafts. Although I've seen him go as early as like ten and as late as like 24. I mean, there's a pretty wide range for Swift. Uh, you know, you'll get opinions on him all, all till the cows come home. There's a lot of strong yep. takes on DeAndre Swift. He is the Gabriel Davis of running backs. Everybody's got a take on him. That's a good cop. That's a great cop. And he got in the end zone in their preseason opener over the weekend. Um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, doesn't really mean anything, but that's just going to keep pouring gas on that fire. Yeah. Right, where where do you stand? Are, are you willing to go get him around that uh, one-two turn, or you, how far does he have to fall before you get him? I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I, yeah. I would still prefer – I know his ADP is, has actually leaped that of Joe Mixon in the last week. I would still prefer Mixon, but I would take DeAndre Swift over Saquon Barkley. Uh, Me too. I'll recover your ears, Chris List, but, you know, the injury risk there. Uh, don't worry, I, he's not I, listening. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> love that Giants offense. Um, yeah, and part of it, part of it depends on what you do in round one, of course, but, uh, no, I mean, I wouldn't even say Swift is somebody that needs to like, quote unquote, fall for me to grab him. Like I'm, I'm, I'm firmly in the believer camp. Julia asked, would you bet who would play more games, Swift or Montgomery? I mean, I, I think the smart, the, I think the, the, the obvious money would be against Swift, but Montgomery was sneakily hurt last year too. Yeah. And it's just an injury position. I mean, is the player right. hurt right now? I think that's the question. And obviously Swift is not played this weekend. Right. And, you know, I mean, they played the same number of games last year. Uh, you know, I, I don't, it's hard to really say, I don't, I don't like speculating on, on running back injuries, especially of all positions, but um, I, I don't know where Swift got this. Like he's always banged up label. Like he's, he's two years into his career. He's missed a okay. total of like seven games. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I feel like he needs to have one of those years where he plays like four games before you get slapped with that label. Well, he missed time in college too, didn't he, at Georgia? 
Uh, I mean, a, a decent amount. Yeah. I'm looking at his game play total is 14, 14, 15. So that, no, that strikes me as not so much. Yeah. It felt like he was always banged up, but he wasn't really like, he wasn't straight up missing games. Right. Yeah. By the way, every time we talk about a player lately, oh, went to Georgia. George Pickens. Oh, went to Georgia. You know, even we brought up Zamir White today. Oh, went to Georgia. Yep. You know, it's just continuing theme. Uh, seems like they might be good. might have been good in the last five years. Who knows? Um, I, but I, I'm really warming up to the, you know, here's one where I think I might change a little bit of my draft strategy. If I'm drafting towards the back end of the draft first round, I've been off and taking the receiver. Here's one where I take the running back and then worry about, you know, and then at, then take advantage of the depth. When you do third round reversal, um, like the NFFC, if you take two running backs towards the end of the first, you know, with, with one of the end of the first round picks and then early second, and then just take like five or six receivers after that. I think that's a viable strategy. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we've, we've said it a hundred times, but the the amount of depth that receiver, um, you know, especially in those middle routes, is it's just night and day compared to how you feel about the running back depth at, at those spots. Yep. All right, Amon Ross St. Brown, massive finish to the season last year. Uh, how likely is it that he has now established himself as a guy that we can set and forget? Well, he's a Detroit Lion, so I think the, the likelihood of that <laughs> ever happening is probably not great. I mean, we've we've really only seen one player in Lions history uh, get to that level, which is uh, Calvin Johnson, and he had uh, Matthew Stafford throwing him the ball. Um, you know, I, I there was a lot of steam on St. Brown, you know, early on in, in draft season, and um, I, I wasn't able to really get too many shares. I'm trying to see where he's going uh, exactly in uh, best ball drafts. He's He's going around pick 60. He's actually lower than Darnell Mooney. I, I don't think that's correct. I, I think I would take, say, Brown over Mooney. And that, that's more of an endorsement on the overall offense and, and how I feel about, like, the accuracy of the quarterback uh, than, mm-hmm. than uh, you know, player versus player. Uh, but that, that's, that's a tough one for me. I, I mean, he's, he's, got, he's going just ahead of Elijah Moore. I would definitely prefer him over Elijah Moore. Um, I, I guess I, I, it felt like he, you know, early on when we first started doing the XF show, uh, you know, he was rising week by week and it feels like he has kind of hit a plateau now. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Well, and other guys have gotten their juice, you know, that, you know, yeah, Jerry sure. Judy is, uh, you know, rising because of Russell Wilson. Um, you know, you know, some of the other, you know, so Alan Robinson certainly has gotten that juice. Um, yep. and I agree with that juice, by the way. Um, yeah. I, I, well, it, it's a fair I, point. Let me drink like, that if juice. He, if he, yeah. if he rises any further, then it's like, well, are we taking him over DK Metcalf? Are you, are you taking him over Juju? Are you taking him over Deontay Johnson? Like, yeah, you know, I, I think maybe he has just reached his ceiling where he needs yeah. to prove it before we can legitimately justify putting him over those guys. Right. And that we kind of proved off for that matter, too. Um, yep. And I think that's the other reason why, although, you know, Metcalf's got that same argument. In fact, I'd rather have Goff than either the two Seattle Jokers. So there oh, yeah. you go. Oh, yeah. um, Julie asked, well, St. Brown had 119 targets last year. Will that go up or down? I think it goes up just because he wasn't doing as much in the first half of the season. So. I think it's – I bet on the over on that one. Yeah, I mean, 67 of those targets came over the final six games of the year. So I, yep. I, I think unless he gets hurt, that's almost a lock to go probably well over. Let's uh, move on to the NFC West. But before we do that, a quick note from our friends at Dynasty Owner. Do you love fantasy sports? Are you ready for a new challenge this year? Dynasty Owner is the new way to play fantasy football with real NFL salaries. Adding the strategy of running an actual franchise. Dynasty Owner provides a unique and challenging experience that will test your skills as an owner and general manager. You will have complete control over your team's future. You can build through the draft, 
make trades, sign free agents, and manage your team's salary cap. Can you create a Dynasty of Champions? Sign up now at DynastyOwner.com and use promo code ROTO5. That's R-O-T-O-5 to receive $5 off any new team. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We are now going to shift our attention to the NFC West, and we'll have to talk first about the <clears throat> Super Bowl champion, LA Rams. Um, yeah, let's get let's rip that Band-Aid off. Let's talk Rams. Uh, they they got better, I feel like, on offense. I mean, they lost OBJ, but they added Allen Robinson. I mean, that, that's a huge add. Uh, maybe that you could argue that they got worse a little bit by losing uh, Andrew Whitworth. But and their offensive line, but I mean that's that's a pretty big stretch to find a way to find them looking worse. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They went out and and got. I, I think you could, if you're not like a big Allen Robinson guy, I think at worst it's a wash between he and Odell Beckham, uh, considering the the injury risk that Beckham presents at this point in his career and, and just kind of how far he's fallen uh, since those days with the Giants. But as someone who loves Allen Robinson and uh, hates that the Jaguars uh, opted not to keep him around back in the day. I think it's a huge upgrade. I think the the one worry is we're just we're going to have to see. I, I don't think we're ever going to get concrete information on this. I think they're going to continue to kind of shroud it in mystery as much as they can. But if Matthew Stafford's arm and an elbow are, are an issue throughout the season, that that definitely changes things. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think the hope is that you know this is just them being extremely cautious during the preseason. But um, you know, obviously, this is a team where if Matthew Stafford is not right, uh, they, their ceiling is dramatically lower. And yeah, he, he went through. People forget he went through a pretty tough stretch toward the end or yes, the middle, did. I guess, uh, of last regular season where, um, you know, obviously he put it together and had a fantastic run in the playoffs, but he, he really struggled. He had a game against Minnesota where he threw three picks. He had two picks against Baltimore the next week. He had the two picks against San Francisco the week after that. He was bad in that, that game at Green Bay right after the, the Titans game. Beckham. Yeah, yeah, the Titans game as well. He had two picks there. I mean, he went through he went through a pretty shaky stretch where it was weeks nine through 18. So we're counting – um, we're counting that final game against San Francisco where he had 19 touchdowns and 13 picks uh, over the course of nine games. Um, you know, it, obviously he ironed it out at the right time. He was great to begin the year on balance. He's still a very good quarterback, but um, I, I think we do need to discuss like how much a uh, kind of a nagging chronic elbow issue uh, for the, the reigning Super Bowl champions. I mean, that, that could derail a season. It could. And, you know, I actually moved Cup below Jefferson and, and Swift uh, and Chase. Sorry, uh, below 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 Jefferson and Chase just because of that reason. I'm still taking them four or five overall. Uh, you know that that's I'm still taking them really high, but it's just maybe a notch lower than it used to be. So uh, that and Stafford, I moved. You know, I'll take. You know, I, you know that that's the other thing. Like uh, you know, taking him below Russell Wilson, for instance, now. I mean, Brady's got his own concerns with him being away from the team, but it doesn't seem like it's an injury. So I don't know. There's some tough calls there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, the Brady situation, it's he'll be back at some point. I guess, you know, if he's away from the team for like two plus weeks and we don't get an update, maybe you start to worry a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, chronic elbow soreness is is uh, not really something to mess around with for sure. But uh, chances are, you know, I, I think Stafford pushes through it. He's, he's always played through ailments throughout his entire career. I'm very high on this Rams team. I, I think as long as they're able to stay relatively healthy, navigate that division, and just get into the playoffs, I, I think they'll be fine. I, I think they're one of those teams that just match up to match up. Um, you know, whatever round you're talking of the playoffs, they just become really, really scary. But, I mean, they have one of the toughest schedules 
in football this yeah, season. Of course. And that, that comes with, you know, being a division winner. Uh, the NFC West gets the NFC South and unfortunately the AFC West as a divisional rotation. So um, plus the bills, know, well, plus the bills, plus the Cowboys, plus the Packers. Yeah. Those are their three non-division non-rotation games. I mean, that is, that's as brutal as it gets. So, you know, not only do you get all four powers in the AFC West, but then you get the bills, the Cowboys and the Packers, yep. you know, looking at their schedule, the only two gimmies for me are, are the, those games against the Panthers and the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. man, that, that is a loaded schedule. Uh, I'd say home against the Seahawks is probably yeah. a W as well, but you know, it is divisional foe with a lot of history there. So we'll see. I mean, and the other thing is it's not just Stafford's I- injury issues, but you got a lot of red marks everywhere here. Uh, Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson, we're doing it again with these guys. They're going to miss pa- uh, practice time with quote unquote soft tissue injuries. Both, uh, you know, both had updates today on that. Uh, so we'll have to spend some time on XM talking about that tomorrow. Uh, you know, me, you know, that's a lot of frustration dealing with the, uh, both Akers and Henderson in the past and just dealing with the Rams and their reporting of injuries has been very problematic. Uh, you know, Kieran Williams is another guy, uh, you know, the rookie who started the year on the pup list. He's also a guy that could, you know, status is uncertain uh, you know, with the, his foot injury. Uh, but, you know, you add all those things together and, you know, there's, you know, I, I don't really want to invest in the Rams running backs that much. No, not really. I mean, I, if we knew who the guy was, I, I absolutely would. I just, I, I don't think that there should be an, you know, 80 spot difference between Akers and Henderson right now um you know i i it's hard for me to say like should acres be lower should henderson be higher but i that just feels like too big of a difference i I think i think we're assuming that the split is going to be larger than it ultimately will be yeah it it might be um and i I, yeah i i I don't think this is an endorsement of henderson though i've 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 got him in a dynasty league and i've had to start him at number at times and it hasn't been especially fun (laughs) no uh, no, it is, it is never fun uh, to be in that situation whatsoever. Uh, but before we close on the Rams, I do want to ask you about, about Cooper Cup. I, I think the assumption, you know, essentially fantasy-wide is that there's going to be some regression here, right, after an sure. all-time receiver season. And, and you know, Cup, Jefferson, and Chase are, are going in, in virtually any order. I, I think it's usually Cup or Jefferson, one of those two. Uh, but, you know, you can make that justification for any of those three. And what's interesting to me is if, if you just based it on last season – I mean, Cooper Cup was head and shoulders above the rest of the wide receivers. I mean, in terms of total fantasy points in PPR, I mean, yep. he was 100 plus or almost 100 plus points more than the next guy, which was Devontae Adams. He had 300. Well, I'm just completely botching these numbers. 439 fantasy points for Cooper Cup, 344 for Devontae Adams. So, I mean, there was a massive, massive gap from one to two. You know, even if we bake in regression, like it, it, based on last season, like how much regression are we talking where you could justify taking Cooper Cup behind both Jefferson and Chase? It's a strong question from a strong man. Um, I would say that it's you're counting on both progression from Jefferson in terms of end, red zone targets and some regression from Cup, like maybe 50 to 75 fantasy points and yeah. a similar climb for Jefferson. Uh, based both on him, his growing stature on the offense and in the, the fact that Minnesota, that Minnesota has a different head coach. And we're assuming said head coach is going to institute more of a wide open option offense. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, lot, lot of ifs are doing a lot of work here though. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a tough call. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's funny because I, I think, 
I think everybody thinks that Jefferson is like the better player, right? But it's like there's just something about what Cup does that it that just seems like unsustainable, I guess. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's almost I would almost cop it to like Jokic in the NBA, where he's you know, he's a two-time reigning MVP, but at the same time, there are still a lot of people that would say, Yeah, he's not a top five guy. And there's like this They're belief that crazy. somehow yeah, yeah, right. And and I agree. But you know, I, I think there's some there's some sort of like disconnect between the numbers and the real life effectiveness. I, I don't know if with Cup if it's just like, you know, just because he's he's not the fastest guy and he you know just is such a unique player as just as far as how he's developed. I, I don't know what it is, but I, to me, if there's there it, there does seem to be a disconnect right now between how dominant and how separate from the rest of the field he was versus how he's being valued this year. Yeah, well, I mean, he's not a physical beast. Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't have first round pedigree. He's a guy that went to, he didn't go to an SEC school. He didn't go, he's not an LSU guy. Um, I, I, I mean, let's, let's be frank. I mean, I, I, I think both in the Jokic and cup examples, skin color might be part of that. Um, he, he, but he isn't like, he, he isn't a burner, but he is, he's quick, yeah. but he's not like sprinter fast either. Um, I think all these things, he's not huge. He's not going to tower over you at the goal line. He just gets open. He's just an amazing route runner. Um, And I shouldn't say just because that's the most important skill you have is getting open. Right. I mean, if you want to say, look, I'm worried about Stafford's arm. uh, You know, I I guess that could be a justification, but short of that, I mean, it's just like, or, or you just want to say, you know, he's going to get hurt. He can't possibly be that good again, which is an argument you could make, but it's not really one you could back up. You could just say like, I just don't think he's going to do it again because it's, it seems unlikely. And you're like, okay, that that's fine. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting to me that it's not more of a consensus. Um, you know, this is the number two guy behind Jonathan Taylor. I, I think people just want, people just want new flavor, right. To it. It's like, I guess how often, especially as a receiver, like how often is the number one receiver one year, the number one receiver again, the year after maybe, maybe that'll be a project that, that we can look into. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to sign you. I'm going to, you can self assign yourself that one. Yeah. There. I think, I think I just did. All right. Very good. Um, Van Jefferson, by the way, is banged up too. We don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. It could be Ben Skoranek, uh, Northwestern and Notre Dame fame. Um, yeah. Tyler Higby, forgotten guy, kind of an average fantasy tight end, bi-week tight end, basically. I think so. Yeah. I mean, somebody that I, you know, kind of tail between my legs, found myself adding in a few leagues throughout last year when you, you just, you got a bye week or you got, a mid-level tight end who you're just ready to give up on. Maybe you throw him in there. I mean, it's, it's basically just this guy plays in a productive offense. Hopefully I get lucky and he catches a touchdown this week. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to the Niners. Uh, and, you know, they, they're coming off a gut-wrenching loss to said Rams in the NFC Championship game. Uh, but for a dropped interception, we might be talking about what they did in the Super Bowl against the Bengals for the third time. So uh, the, the big buzz for them, obviously, is that quarterback. Trey Lance uh, versus Jimmy G. It is Trey Lance's team. He looked good against the Packers in the first preseason game. We have actual data. We we actually can see him. Didn't look like he had a tired arm. <laughs> uh, certainly not. No. And, and you know, on the XM show, Tom Kessnick uh, did a great job of just kind of describing the subtle differences between Trey Lance and Jordan Love, just in terms of the the kind of confidence that they either inspire or in Jordan, Lo- Jordan Love's case, not really inspire as you watch them, you know, with, with love, it, it just, it seemed very uh, kind of predetermined, a, lo- a little mechanical, a little shaky. And with, with Lance, it, it was, it was very comfortable looking, you know, like Tom said, the ball was just rocketing 
off of his hand. Um, you know, part of it was Green Bay's third string secondary was lost for, for most of the night. Um, mm-hmm. So that certainly helped Trey Lance. But yeah, I think he looked really confident. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we, we trust the San Francisco organization, right? I mean, they've, they've been consistently very good with somewhat shaky quarterback play in, in Jimmy G. And it's, it's always kind of been this, man, what if they had that quarterback? You know, how great would they be? You know, do we trust them enough that they would not have made this decision and essentially pushed out Jimmy G if they didn't think Lance was ready, right? Like I, if, if they really believed like, man, he's looking really shaky in practice. I don't know. I, I, I don't think that they would have made this move when they did uh, because, you know, they, they made the choice to declare Trey Lance the guy going into camp. You know, there, there was, there wasn't like, Hey, this is going to be a competition. Trey Lance has to earn it. I mean, they, they anointed him and empowered him right away. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah. I, are you willing to change your tune on how, how willing you are to draft him now? Maybe a little bit. And I don't want to say it's based off of like four pass attempts at a preseason game against right. the Packers scrubs. Cause it's really not. But like I told you on, on the show this morning, I, I think, I think I was just too down on him overall. And when I, when I really was, was sitting down and thinking about it, I'm like, why, why am I so down on him? Like, I, I know he looked a little shaky in those couple of starts last year, but I, I think this is a situation where the, the team around him is just so good that, uh, I, I think the, the rising, what is it? Rising tide lifts all boats or something like that, where, mm-hmm. they, you know, the guys he's throwing to are really good. You know, he's going to be schemed better than just about any quarterback in the entire league. Uh, obviously the, the legs are always there as a threat. Although I don't, I don't see Trey Lance being like quite as much of a threat on the ground as like, like Jalen Hurts or, or certainly Lamar Jackson. You know, I think, I think it's there, but they're not going to use him as like this power runner. I think maybe around the goal line uh, a little bit, but I, I think they're more excited what he brings uh, as a passer. So that's a long-winded way of saying I, I'm, I'm in the process of uh, potentially changing my tune on Trey Lance. Fair enough. All right. I I feel similarly. I, I feel like I don't want to do, be – I, I, I want to be a sharp. I want to be a smart guy and say I'm not pers- not swayed by the preseason. I'm not going to get caught up in this. I, I want to be firm in my opinions. But when we're talking about a guy that has an incomplete data set to begin with, I think it's more justifiable to be open to seeing new data and op- open to seeing, uh, you know, more return, different returns on that and, and saying, okay, maybe I was wrong about him. Kind of like you were saying, um, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I haven't been close to getting him. I've been saying that I don't anticipate getting him this year. I might still feel that way. Um, he's QB 11 right now, but I'd take him over Stafford now. I think that's enough has changed between Stafford's elbow, Lance maybe not being as bad, and having the the running floor. And by the way, Stafford has no running floor. Uh, Zero. I I could see it now in the NFFC. That running floor means less than it does in other leagues because it's six points for a passing touchdown. Know your league specs, but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 open to being. I I still don't think. My openness to considering him lands him anywhere. I still think I'm pretty far away from getting him in most places. Yeah, I, I will say I'll, I don't think I'll get to the point in the preseason that I'll be like outwardly targeting Trey Lance, but I, I think I'll feel more comfortable, you know, like you said, making that choice between him and a Stafford or a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, whoever it is, uh, kind of in that middle tier of quarterbacks. Um, so 10 wins is the number for San Francisco. I, I think it's fair to say that this hinges almost entirely on how Trey Lance looks. Uh, I think if he's, if he's outright bad, they go under, if he's even just average to slightly below average, 
I think they have a really good chance to go over. And if he's great, obviously they're going over. I, I don't know. Is it, is yeah. it as simple as that? Yeah. Um, yeah, because the roster suppose is great. They lost Lake and Tomlinson to the Jets via free agency. That kind of hurt. Um, and they, they've had to deal with uh, salary cap constraints of their own, uh, which, by the way, don't get Niners fans started on that when they see what the Rams have done in their division. But, uh, yeah, uh, that that's something. And we still have to wait to see what they're – what, if anything, are they getting for Jimmy G? Uh, I think he'll be gone. Uh, I think the most likely out- outcome, and I think we talked about this, is he, still that he gets released on September 1st and not that he gets traded. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think I think it's tantalizing to you know come up with these scenarios of like, oh, what if they trade him for an impact player? Like, it's just... It's seemingly it's just like almost never happens in the NFL. You know, it's it's almost mm-hmm. always draft compensation, especially when it's something. You know, th- this all kind of boils down to money for Jimmy G. Uh, and like you said, it, it makes sense. I think for a lot of teams to wait until that that artificial deadline on September first. But yeah, I mean, the Niners have made their choice. I, I, I don't think I, I don't even think that they're necessarily holding out for this. You know, King's ransom or, or some sort of specific deal. I, I think it's just a you know we got our guy in place, and whenever somebody's ready to step up to the plate, you know, with the offer that we're looking for. Uh, will be there. Um, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the Niners schedule right now, and and of course, right. you know, it's, it's not it's not going to be easy in that division. And and they too, uh, like the Rams, get the AFC West out of division. But you know, as a non-division winner, it, it gets a, a little easier, I guess. Um, you know, you, you got to play obviously the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Broncos. Um, you get the NFC South, but they you know they get the Commanders out of division. They get. Bears. They get the Bears, they get the Dolphins. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you feel – I think you feel a lot better than that, of course, than getting the the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Packers out of that deal. For sure. Uh, that, that make, 100% makes sense there. Over, under for them, uh, I've seen is 10 – between 9.5 and 10.5, and actually, but 10 on DraftKings, 9.5 on FanDuel and BetMGM, 10.5 on PointsBet. Uh, let's just say – let's just use DraftKings as our, our, our starting point. Over, under for that. Or on well, it's interesting that there's there's uh, you know minus one ten for each. So DraftKings yeah. is basically throwing up their hands and saying, "Look, we're not sure." I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over. I, I think this is a, a super super talented team, and I think Trey Lance, like I said, if he plays average football, I think there's enough talent around the rest of the roster to, to get to eleven, um, and I, I think he can do that. So I'll go over. Okay, moving on. Uh, let Let's move on uh, and hit the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they had a, a you know, an eventful offseason, to say the least. Uh, first, the uh, let, let, we got to start off with their quarterback. Uh, and just no shortage of drama when it comes to Kyler Murray. You know, he signed uh, after, like, removing our, our Arizona from his, his social media feeds. Uh, but then he signed. He was all happy for, like, a day. And then the clause, he must study clause uh, in his contract came out. And it's basically because he was playing video games and didn't want to study, it seems like. Uh, then he had COVID, uh, and you know we're still trying to figure out when he'll be able to practice again. But it's all over the place with Kyler Murray, and he and he missed games last year due to injury too. Yeah, all over the place. I mean, this was this was one of the biggest you know, Jekyll and Hyde teams, if not the biggest of the entire season. I mean, it feels like forever ago that they were seven and zero going into that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like a, it was like a home was it a Thursday night game against the Packers. I was the, the game where Devontae Adams was out. I, I want to say like Aaron Jones was banged up. Like Green Bay was going in with a ton of skill guys out and, and they went and won that game. Uh, that was the Rasul Douglas game, I believe. Right. And ever since then, ever since then, it kind of felt like they lost their, 
air of invincibility. Um, and, you know, they were, they were 10 to two at one point, but then they lost five of their last six, including that embarrassing uh, playoff game against the Rams. So that was, that was one of the worst play games by, by Kyler Murray and by that, that Cardinals offense in recent memory, especially on that stage. Um, so I, I think, I think we go into that or go into this season. Uh, and I, I have in my notes here, it says any team this, uh, this season in terms of peak result versus basement result. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the thing is, you know, the, th- the other thing I worry about Murray is like, will he still run as much as he did? Because I think if he doesn't run, he's not a special quarterback at all. Um, no. More, almost more so than any other mobile quarterback out there. I'd say Jalen Hurts is probably even more incumbent on running. But, um, you know, th- there are some games when he chose not to run. They lost the Detroit game at Detroit. He had four carries for three yards in that game. He didn't run. This was his third game back after missing three games with an injury. He, you know, we can't blame him for the Carolina, the home loss to Carolina, which was just embarrassing. They got throttled in that game. Uh, and you just, you know, I, I, they were still a pretty decent sized favorite, but it really laid bare how dependent they are on him. I don't know. I mean, he, he he's kind of a, I mean, he's, he, he's a total linchpin guy. I mean, when he's on, he's crazy good. Uh, you saw some games like the Bears game. He went 11 for 15, two touchdowns, but also 10 for 59 on the ground with two more touchdowns. He's capable of that sort of game. Absolutely. I mean, he was we, – we'd have to go back and look. I, I think he was the MVP favorite probably at the, the quarter mark of the season and, yeah. and maybe approaching the halfway mark. I mean, he was very much in that conversation. Um, and then, like you said, you know, missed that time in the, in the middle of the year and was never really the same after that. There was a notable hesitancy right. – uh, to run the ball and, you know, talking about those losses at the end of the year, I mean, it was, it, it was not pretty. They lost to the lions. Like you said, they lost to Seattle, you know, and that was, that was when things had really unraveled for the Seahawks. They lost to the Colts uh, who of course went on to lose to the Jaguars and not even make the playoffs. Uh, and then, you know, you throw those pretty embarrassing losses to Carolina and green Bay on top of that. And I, I think it, it erased all the goodwill that they had built up through those first seven weeks. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what team we're going to get this year. I I'm inclined to, I'm inclined to, to make them the team in this division. I think that that really underwhelms, um, you know, whether they, they ultimately go over on that win total, probably, you know, it, maybe it depends how they, how they fare against Seattle. You know, if, if you split against Seattle or you, you find a way to lose two to Seattle, uh, you're almost certainly going to go under because, you know, good luck beating the Rams twice, good luck beating the 49ers twice uh, in that division. So, yeah, I, I just don't love it. It feels like they're moving in the wrong direction. Um, and, and then outside of division and, and rotation schedule, uh, they get the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Patriots. So yeah. know, none of those three games you, you feel great about. No, no, you don't. I love how the sports books collectively just shrugged. They don't know. Yeah. They're like, eh, we're not sure. Eight and a half minus one ten sounds good. We'll put it on both sides. Call it a day. You know, it, it, it's yeah, nice. I, now they're gonna they're gonna be without DeAndre Hopkins for six weeks, mm-hmm. six games. Excuse me. Uh, they are gonna you know they're trying to figure out uh, life without you know with just one with who their backup is at running back. Is it going to, it sounds like Eno Benjamin made a lot of strides. Darrell Williams, they didn't have play though, which almost presumes that he's earned us. He's already has a spot. Uh, Hollywood Brown has got the, has had, you know, he was on the pup list to start. Then they had an arrest. Then, you know, he's been, you know, really breaking in slowly with that hamstring injury there. They, I think that today, just today they had their first practice together at Murray and, uh, and, and Hollywood Brown. So I'm not sure what, sort of chemistry they're going to have early on this season. I mean, all you look all throughout the roster, they've got like a lot of question marks. 
Yeah, the, the Murray Hollywood reunion is like the junior version of Carr and, and Devontae Adams getting back together. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess this will be cool. Like, what's the ultimate upside here? Um, you know, I, I mean, Hollywood Brown is like the, the receiver version of Kyler, I guess, just in terms of like, you know, how you project him uh, physically. Uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's really tough. I'm, I'm looking into right now if I can find a way to parlay the Bears to have the worst record and Cliff Kingsbury to be the first coach fired. I'm seeing him at 12 to 1 right now. Interesting. I like that. You know, Ron Rivera is like calling on the uh, blue courtesy, I mean, the uh, burgundy courtesy phone there. I almost called it, you know, went with Carolina colors. Yeah. He's already been fired from there, though. Matt Rule also wants in on the chat, I think, too. Uh, but... Matt Rule is the is the heavy favorite to be the first coach fired. Yeah. So I and for good reason. But I, I feel yeah. like I don't know like the coaches of the bad teams. I, I think a lot of them are, you know, like Dan Campbell's not going to get fired. Like he has he has lower odds than Kingsbury to be the first coach fired. It's like I, I think a lot of the, the bad teams kind of understand that they're bad. And they're not going to have this knee-jerk reaction if they start one and five. Whereas, if things go south for Arizona, I mean, they've already they've already made their commitment to Kyler Murray as the guy, monetarily, contract-wise. And if they start two and four, and he says, "Look, I, I'm just not feeling it here," who do you think they're going to side with? Yeah, it's a good point. Now, you know, Dan Campbell could bite the head off a live bat to try to make a point in the locker room. That might yeah. accelerate the firing thing there. So that, that is true. Yeah, he could he could basically get like expelled from the league. I think that is something yeah. we need to consider. That is that is possible. All right, let's finish up. Uh, let's go with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, you know, this is no more no more Russell Wilson, but we do have Pete Carroll's presumable presumed swan song here. He's also in on that bet, as Julia just points out in the chat there. Uh, yeah, uh, if they finish seven and ten, that might be the best job he's done coaching them in a while because I think they're going to be considerably worse than that. And so do uh, the sports books; they've got them at five and a half wins on their over under everywhere. They do, they do. It, it is shaded toward the over at most books, um, so you know there's maybe a little bit of an admittance that that number is pretty low. Um, you know, it's minus one forty at DraftKings to the over, plus one twenty to the under. So um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe closer to a six win team than a than a five win team, but. Uh, you know, it all just comes down to like, can you, can you talk yourself into the Seahawks being, you know, the Steelers Packers type of team where you're, you're just banking on the infrastructure? You know, it's the same reason that the the San Antonio Spurs always have an elevated win total uh, in the NBA. It's, you know, even if the roster looks terrible, there's this like, Hey, it's the Spurs. They'll figure it out. And, you know, for the first time, Seattle's going to have to try to do that without Russell Wilson, which is just a, a massive, massive variable. And, I feel like I I listen to a ton of NFL podcasts and, and read a bunch of stuff. Like I I can't believe how much of a split there is on the Seahawks. Like I'm I'm pretty down on this team. I, I feel like they've kind of reached the end of the road, and a, mm-hmm. a lot of the you know almost every great player uh, you know from the Super Bowl team certainly, but even from you know the years after that, almost all those guys have moved on. It's kind of Tyler Lockett carrying the flag, right? Uh, but there's there are a lot of people I think that that still believe that Russell Wilson wasn't carrying this team all that much and right. that there's still enough talent at the receiver position that, that Gino and drew lock can do just enough. I personally don't see it, but um, I mean, this is a, like you said, for, for Pete Carroll, it's a, a pretty big time prove it year because there are a ton of coaches who are tethered to their great quarterbacks. And, you know, it's, it's a mini version of, of was it Belichick or was it Brady? Right. 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 Um, I, I don't know if I think that that infrastructure is all that great, but uh I think Russ cooking carried them a pretty far away. Uh, they were fourth in QB rating last year. That's going to go down, by the way, uh, quite a bit. Drew, you know, between Drew Locke and Geno Smith, I mean, that's going to go way down. 
I, I really think that, you know, when you can't throw the ball, you're going to see a totally different team out there. And so I, I'm pretty pessimistic. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, when infrastructure, it's, it's, I guess I'm not really talking names on the roster. It's more just like a culture of winning. And it's, you know, that's kind of a tough thing to define, but and this team hasn't dipped below nine and seven since 2011. Right. I mean, they've been, they've been right there every single year. And, and that's coincided of course, with the arrival of Russell Wilson. So We'll see. I, I, I think, I mean, I don't think they're going to be terrible, terrible. You know, like they'll, they'll be notably better than like the two or three worst teams in the league. Um, this is a, a tough win total for me to evaluate. Um, I, I, I think they could get to six, but I, I don't see them contending. Like there are people out there that think the Seahawks are going to push for a wild card spot. Like that, that, that to me is, is fan fiction. Yeah. I, I think, I think it is too. Uh, let's talk fantasy here. Penny or Walker. Who do you got? I think for me, it's Penny. As of now, um, I, I don't believe he played. I'm looking at the box score now in their uh, in their preseason opener. He did not. No, um, in fact, Walker, he's dealing with a groin injury too. Yes, yes. Walker, five carries, 19 yards. Um, you know, good, not great. Nothing, no real takeaways there. Did have one catch on one target uh, in that game. I mean, this is a team, you know, much like the the opponent that they faced in that preseason game, the Steelers, where you know the upside of a lot of these guys, especially the receivers, of course, comes down to the quarterback play, but I, I also think that does trickle down to the running backs, right? I mean, if, if the defense doesn't respect whoever you're throwing out there, whether it's Geno Smith or Drew Locke, it, it just makes it more difficult on everybody. hundred percent, hundred percent agree about that. Um, the thing is you don't want to get both because let's face it. You don't want to, you know, some, some situations are handcuffs. Some are job battles. I don't view this as a handcuff. Yes. Um, and you're paying too high of a price to get both of them. You want to get a starting running back there. I'm on Penny over Walker also, but, I get, I'm actually the, I, I, I think to repackage that, I prefer to get the guy that goes later if there's a significant difference. Uh, like for instance, yes. in some formats, Walker will go later and so, in some other formats, Penny will go later. And it just, it's almost depends on the, on your room. Uh, in many cases, you got that one guy that loves Kenneth Walker. Well, okay. Especially in a PPR league, maybe they go that way. Although it's funny, Walker really didn't catch that many passes at Michigan state. I think, People just assume that he's more of a third down back. Pete Carroll said, I'm comfortable playing him on three downs. So we had our, okay, let's listen to Pete, what Pete Carroll has to say moment there. But uh, so, so it goes. Um, always, always a fun uh, portion yeah. of uh, the season there. But uh, anyways, I think it's tough. Uh, the other question is, how far does DK Metcalf drop for you with this quarterback situation? He, he's the guy that I feel like I've had the most trouble figuring out with this Me team too. because like, like Lockett is going late enough that I don't mind taking him in that range. He's at like 95 in NFC contests over the last week. That puts him in Robert Woods, Traylon Burks, Russell Gage territory where it's like, okay, at that point, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll just roll with the, the proven commodity in Tyler Lockett. But with Metcalf, I mean, there's still that argument that you're, I, mean, I wouldn't say it like makes or breaks your entire team, but I mean, it's enough of an investment that, you know, if, if, D, if you take DK lot or DK Metcalf at like 40th overall, and he just completely tanks because Geno Smith can't get him the ball like that huge. Right. And with Lockett, it could go South and you're like, okay, whatever. It was my, my eighth or ninth round pick. Um, so with, with Metcalf, I've, I found myself, I think I have him in one best ball, but I, for the most part, I, I haven't really been willing to pay the price. Yeah. I, I got him in our, the Vegas super flex draft. I think I've got him in another place or two as guys as when he's fallen, like, I think where I where I got Metcalf was the five six turn. Um, okay. okay, I'll take him there. That's fine. 
That 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 that's fine for me. Uh, but I'm not gonna get him traditionally where like he's in the the 40s. You know, well traditionally he was in the third round last year. Sometimes even second. You know, I'm not. Uh, but I, I'm gonna definitely drop a little bit there. If you look at like the NFFC right now, it's got a range of 36 to 59. It's not as wide a range as I would have thought. And this is just over you know the weekend, so maybe that contributes to that lack of range. But he's wide receiver 21. Behind another guy that I don't really know in Deontay Johnson, where I want to put him, and just slightly ahead of Gabe Davis. I'll tell you this. I had a chance to take DK Metcalf in the Rotowire Invitational, and I, I took Allen Robinson over him. And, and Metcalf went I agree one pick later. It was tough. It was tough because I think it's so counterintuitive to what you would have done last year, right? Um, but, you know, it was, it was Robinson, Metcalf, Godwin in that order. And I, I had to make that choice, and I, I sided with Robinson – over Metcalf and you know that reflects ADP as well right now Robinson's mm-hmm. going about six picks higher um so maybe it's not like you know that difficult of a choice but um you know that they, they well Alan Robinson's min pick is 27 by the way wow that is pretty low but yeah I mean the, yeah. the Metcalf situation it's just I, I don't like trusting bad quarterbacks I don't know I mean it's, I'd, I'd have to do some more digging I'll have to assign myself another project here but um <laughs> you know to, to see like how like how many good receivers have had like a great fantasy season with an objectively bad quarterback that the list can't be many. No, it can't, can't, can't at all. Um, and it, it's a hot button issue. And, you know, Lockett's even felt that even more, um, you know, I talk about a guy that's really falling. He's wide receiver yeah. 43 now picked 95 over the weekend at the NFFC yeah. uh, behind Kadarius Tony, who I've already panned. I take him over Tony uh, slightly ahead of Chris Olave. I take Olave over Lockett at this point in time. Um, I uh, Christian Kirk goes slightly ahead of him. Jaguars legend, Christian Kirk. Uh, and you know, that, that, that's sort of the range that Lockett's it and right now, and I kind of see it, but I think Lockett is, is, you know, and the thing is he's been kind of a boomer bust guy the last year and a half. Anyhow, he's not the steady Eddie anymore. So I get it. If you're not going to have as much boom, you know, he falls to the bust. Yeah. I mean, he also turns 31, uh, in, in about a month here. So that's, I mean, that's part of it. Like with Metcalf, he's like at his physical peak, right? So you're not, you're yeah. not really worried about, you're not building in any regression regardless of who the quarterback is. So with Lockett, it's kind of a, a double whammy where you're getting a huge downgrade at quarterback. And he's also at that age where a lot of receivers start to fall off. Indeed. Indeed. Any other Seahawks thoughts before we sign off? <sighs> not a whole lot. No. Um, it, it's been, it's been the, the receiver dilemma for me. Um, you know, I, I haven't really had to make a ton of like Penny versus Walker calls but you know just about any draft you do you're going to have that point where you know you ask yourself like am i making a huge mistake not taking dk metcalf here yeah um i, I it's it's really the one of the toughest calls of the season for sure yeah we'll, we'll close with an unrelated question jake from state farm asks michael pittman or mark andrews a half point ppr dynasty league with contracts has tyreek higgins and juju uh pittman would secure his wide receivers for a long time Mark Andrews is a rare difference maker at tight end, though. There's not too many of those. Uh, what say you? I say Mark Andrews. I, I think, I mean, you already have a nice stable of receivers. I mean, certainly would be nice to add to that. But, um, I, yeah, I mean, for me, it's Andrews. I, mean, I, I, don't think, I don't think you really worry about age or anything at this point. He should still have three to five really, really good years ahead of him. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Jake, thanks for the question. Thanks, everybody, for chiming in the, ch- uh, the chat today. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening. Coming up tomorrow, we got Jake and Joe, as always, with Tuesday, the Tuesday Rotowire podcast. Catch Nick and I on SiriusXM Fantasy, as always, for the rest of the week, and take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. 
To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.